Welcome to Jazz at Lincoln Center's Jazz Stories. I'm Wendell Pierce. Jazz musicians refer to what they do as telling stories. Our Jazz Stories podcast add the musicians' own words to their music. Today, we hear from composer and pianist Randy Weston, recorded in conversation with Dr. Lewis Porter at Jazz at Lincoln Center in February 2008. For this edition, we turn to Jazz at Lincoln Center's Ken Drucker. Randy Weston began his career working with Eddie Cleanhead Vinson and Kenny Dorham. In 1955, he was voted Best New Star Pianist in the Downbeat Poll. Weston spent several years living in Morocco, and he's incorporated both African music and musicians into his recordings. On this Jazz Stories, Randy talks about his childhood in Brooklyn, his early music education, and the music in in Lenox, Massachusetts. Who taught you piano? Uh, a woman named uh, Mrs. Chapman, that poor lady. <laughs> and why do you say that? Yeah, because she made 75 cents a lesson. <laughs> my hands with the ruler. Oh, my God. Because I was always making a mistake because I'm looking out the window. <laughs> I want to play ball with the guys, you know. And uh, she struggled with me for three years. And one day she went to my father and said, Mr. Weston, save your money. <laughs> your son will never play the piano. <laughs> so I decided if I go to the happy hunting ground, I'm going to look for her, you know. <laughs> I let her know what happened. Yeah, but she was great. That, you know, the, that generation of teachers were so dedicated. They really got involved with you. Then, then he got another teacher named Professor Atwell, that's and he knew a few popular songs. Hmm. And that's when I really started getting interested in playing the piano. Oh, because he was relating it more to the music of yeah, the Yeah, I couldn't identify with European classical music sure. because they, yeah. the whole neighborhood was blues and yeah. jazz and the, right. everything was swinging, you know. That's fantastic. Yeah. And uh, in your neighborhood, there were musicians, people around your age, who were getting into playing jazz as well. Yeah, older than me. I mean, I was lucky to grow up in an atmosphere. People like U.B. Uh, Blake living on Stuyvesant Avenue in Brooklyn, Max Roach on Monroe Street, Duke Great. Jordan, Ernie Henry, Sonny Stitt. His father was a very famous professor of music, hmm. Professor Boatner, hmm. Ray Abrams. Oh, yeah. yeah, so, you know, we had music everywhere because Brooklyn is, is such a big area that you can be in Brooklyn one week and you're Brooklyn. You see, so right. we was a lot of great musicians. And the thing is that we live music, we love music, and there was no separation between the people and the musicians. You didn't look at the New York Times to tell whether you played well or not. Uh, right. Yeah, deal with that black audience. Okay. And if you weren't playing well, you're in trouble. Okay, so you yeah. got instant feedback. Oh yeah, because okay. people are very serious about the music. You can mess around with something else, but be real with that music. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Oh yeah. And when did you start to like, listen intensely to jazz recordings and start to pick up things from piano players? Who were you listening to? Well, it was a combination of things. As I, as I pointed out before, our parents exposed us to the best of music. You know, My dad would take me to the Apollo Theater to hear Duke Ellington or hear Andy Kirk with uh, Mary Lou. Williams playing the piano, mm, wow. or the ink spots. You know, we just mm -hmm. had the best, you see. Okay. So when I started playing a little bit, I would kind of experiment. But my first love was, it was Count Basie. I could hear that, I think, in some yeah. of the early records. Because yeah. he was a, a master of the blues, and he knew what not to say. You see, because sometimes our music gets, to me, overcomplicated, you okay. know. But Basie, you just hit one or two notes, you know. 
and you get the message. That's true. Yeah. That's true. My second love was, was Nat King Cole. As a pianist, I'm sorry he ever sang. He was such a great pianist. I think that because he sang so well and became yeah. so famous, uh, people in here may not realize, they, they may have heard he played piano, but they might not realize that he was a really famous jazz Incredible piano player. Pianist. He wasn't just if you knew a lot about jazz. Uh, I mean, everybody knew about Nat King Cole. Exactly. And he'd play and sing and not even look at the piano. You know? Right. Scare you to death, you know. You he played beautiful it. stuff. That's right. All yeah, that I, stuff, you know. Beautiful. And then the third was the master, Mr. Art Tatum. Oh, wow. And he was the only pianist that I heard. See, at that time, we would go listen to music everywhere. We'd go to 52nd Street, we'd go to Brooklyn, we'd go to Harlem. Everybody knew, you know, even if you weren't a musician, you knew what the musicians were doing. There was a, a wonderful collaboration between the audience and the musician. And I wasn't a musician at that time. I was just studying music, but I was also involved in the scene. And lucky to have somebody like Max Roach in Brooklyn. Mm. I met Charlie Parker through Max Roach. I met Dizzy wow. through Max Roach. I met Channel Pozo, George Russell. You see, so, and I have to point out the spirituality of those musicians of that period. They were wonderful. They would tell you anything. They would help you, advise you, giving all the time. That's beautiful. Yeah. But somehow you ended up in Lenox, Mass., which is not where we think of as being a jazz center. What's the story there? After the Second World War, I was three years in the Second World War, you know. I was in, uh, over in Asia. Okay. And when we came home, conditions had not changed. It was difficult for right. African Americans to get work. And Absolutely. all of a sudden, they decided to put the drugs into the community. Mm. And when that decision was made, they gave it to the artists, of course, because the artists influenced the people. And all of a sudden, this... Devastation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just hit, you know, hit everybody. And you have to understand that the African-American community was still contained. There were certain areas that we were not welcome. Right. So everything happened in the African-American community. The music, the church. We had our own village. Okay. That's where I wrote a song called African Village Bedford-Stuyvesant. Wow, that's great. Because it was an African village in Brooklyn. And everybody would come from every place else to see the way we played music, to see the way we danced, see the way we cooked our food, mm. because it was very rich. And we had people from the Caribbean, people from the South, and we're all together, you see. So it was a powerful experience. But when the drugs hit, mm. you know, it was a very depressing time. Right. Yeah. And I wanted to get out of New York. I was running my father's restaurant, which I was running for three years. Okay. Had the most incredible restaurant in Brooklyn called Trios. Okay. We had the hippest jukebox in the world. <laughs> in this jukebox, you could hear Sarah Vaughan or Dizzy or Monk or Art Blakey, Fashion Val, mm. you name it. The wow. other side of the jukebox, we had Shastakovich, Prokofiev, Alvin Bird. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's amazing. And we were open. 24 hours, seven days a week. Wow. So all the musicians would come two, three, four o'clock in the morning discussing music. That's so cool. when the drugs hit, that just was very, very bad. Wow. And a friend of mine told me, I said, I want to get out of New York. I, I was really upset about the situation, you know. And he said, well, look, why don't you go up to, uh, go up to Lennox, to Great, Great Barrington, up to the Berkshires. Great Barrington, okay. Go up there and just get a job doing anything. Get out of New York, get the fresh air. Mm. 
the Boston Symphony Orchestra performs there seven weeks of the year right. at Tanglewood. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. I went up there. I went up there. I was washing dishes for a while. I was, I was cutting down trees for a while. Wow, really? Yeah. But I was eating wonderful, drinking lots of milk, and getting this fresh air. So it was good for you. It was wonderful. But you ended up actually finding a kind of a music scene up there, which kind of yeah. unexpectedly. Yeah, well, that was from the creator. I was working at a place called the Windsor Mountain School. And what would happen after I worked during the day? All of these resorts have wonderful pianos, you know. Okay. So if I wasn't working during the day, I sit and play the piano a little bit at night. Okay. So I was in the kitchen working with two young ladies. I'll never forget them. One was from Czechoslovakia, one was from Hungary. One was named Hella, one was named Vera. And they, they had concentration mm-hmm. numbers on their arms, right. you know. And we worked together, you know. And they said to me, said, Randy, so we had some jazz at a place called Music Inn. Would you want to go? I said, yeah, okay, fine. So we walked, it's about maybe two or three miles. Hmm. We walked in the forest, you know. Ah. And we got there. And I got there at the very moment that Marshall Stearns was giving a class on jazz history. And when I walked in, Marshall was saying, I'm going to play for you King Porter's Stomp by Fletcher Henderson. I'm going to play you King Porter's Stomp by Benny Goodman. See if you can hear the difference between the two. And that's how we met. And Marshall Stearns was an uh, English professor at Hunter College. Yeah. But he was a very, very serious jazz historian and wrote a book called The Story of Jazz a few few years after this. Maybe the first so-called jazz scholar is him. But what I found out, unlike the other critics, he started off with the history of jazz with West Africa. So automatically we became in tune with each other. And I'm talking about 1950, 51, 52, 53, way before the civil rights movement happened. In this music inn, I met people like Langston Hughes, Candido, I met Jeffrey Holder, I met Mahalia Jackson, I met uh, Butterfly McQueen, who was an African-American actress, and Marshall assembled this pan-African concept through culture and music. I met Professor Willis James from Spelman College, and he taught me about field cry hollers, how when the Africans were taken from the continent, we were born here, we had nothing, so we had to make music with our hands, right. our feet, with a bottle, with a table, but we had to make music because African people, music is functional. Everything is music. Absolutely. You see? So I learned from him about how they developed certain sounds during the times of slavery, so how they could communicate. You know, look out for this, look out for that. So, and imagine Harry Mahalia Jackson doing a class on spirituality at three o'clock in the afternoon. Wow. So I stayed in the Berkshires almost ten years. And I finally recorded for Riverside when they heard me in 1954. In addition to that, uh, I ended up playing solo piano, no more cooking. I ended up being a breakfast cook. I stopped cooking. And I ended up being a pianist, you know. That's amazing. Yeah, so it was something that came from the creator. I happened to be there at that particular time. Really, because you would have thought that would be getting away from the music scene, but in fact that almost launched your career. Absolutely. That's fantastic, and gave you a lot of inspiration. Yeah, and you know, members of the orchestra would come over and they'd sit in. So it was a great experience. Randy Weston with Lewis Porter. You've been listening to Jazz Stories, the podcast of Jazz at Lincoln Center Radio. 
to see a video of the full 90-minute conversation, you can visit us at jalc.org slash jazzed. Jazz at Lincoln Center is a nonprofit organization. You can support our podcast and get advance notice of our upcoming shows by becoming a member at jalc.org. Support for Jazz at Lincoln Center podcast comes from our listeners. I'm Wendell Pierce. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.